believe the Lord is going to give us a word to uh, just uh, solidify us, if I can say that. And uh, let's just remember, uh, we're going, we're just a few days till the second half of the year. Can you believe that? Uh, 2020 has proven to be a, uh, uh, a turning point, uh, a shift uh, in our nation. And uh, the things that we see happening is not just accidental. Uh, I, I believe the devil knows that his time is short. And uh, perhaps you've seen this week that uh, certain movements, I'm not even going to acknowledge the movements that are out there, but now they're wanting to attack churches. They're wanting to pull down statues of Jesus and uh, stained glass windows. You know, churches, they're saying they have stained glass windows of people, the apostles or Jesus. They're wanting those to be shattered and broken. You know, this this is a very spiritual battle that we are uh, right in the middle of. And so um, stay awake, if I can say it that way. And uh, I know we feel, you know, I've said it before, we, we feel kind of secure in our own little city, but things are changing in our city. And so we got to be praying and uh, uh, God's church wins and uh, facilities are just that. They are a facility, a house, but uh, the church, you and I uh, are filled with that spirit and that gives us power. Aren't you thankful again for the power of the Holy Ghost? Would you just give another praise right now? We're, we're in no rush tonight. This, mm, thank you, Jesus, for everything, for all things. Like your word says, give thanks in all things. And we thank you, Lord, for life. And we thank you for the transforming power that your spirit, your love, and your word gives us. Thank you tonight, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Give someone a big smile. I think that's a healthy thing to do. Give someone a big smile. Thank you, Sister Filers. And uh, save the song. And I'm just going to go ahead and uh, I looked at my wife. And uh, after the service, well, if you have an offering or tithing that you uh, like to give, you should always bring an offering. Uh, whether it be just $1 or 50 cents, we should always bring an offering to the Lord. And so uh, uh, always do that. And uh, I'm going to let you be seated. And we're going to go right into the word of the Lord. It's 720. And uh, I don't know about you, but time has uh, accelerated. And uh, next week, uh, in fact, next Monday, uh, my wife and I are celebrating 35 years. And I look back and say, where did 35 years go? And uh, it's just hard to imagine, but uh, it's been a good 35 years, and uh, it's just a, a wonderful thing. Uh, yeah. Can I just say this? I'm just going to ramble here for a moment, but, but families are the foundation of our country, mothers and fathers, and we've been seeing and hearing a lot on the news that, uh, you know, fatherless homes, single parents raising children by themselves, whether it be the mother or the father, this is uh, this is there's been an attack on the family, and uh, certain people of certain persuasions uh, are pushing dependence on the government. Uh, in fact, I read one article. I was talking about welfare, where uh, a certain uh, group of women, you know, 
they intentionally do not get married and they have children because they can get more support from the government than they can working a job. And so they intentionally do not have a family unit. And so it's just, that's messed up. That, that's really messed up. And I'm thankful for each one of you that are in a family unit and uh, are, are teaching your children. Now, now we're, let me just say we're going to be starting our Sunday school classes here very shortly. I know everything's been messed up this year. And uh, I know it's sometimes a real hassle, but uh, there are conversations starting to happen where we'll be doing uh, children's classes again and having uh, our children taken care of. So uh, that day is quickly coming, and uh, we'll be planning the uh, second half of the year here in July. And uh, just uh, if I haven't told you, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and announce it. Uh, Our camps have been canceled for the year. Uh, We had a board meeting last Saturday, uh, all-day process, and uh, uh, our camps, we, we just had, it was a hard decision. We were hopeful and prayerful that there would be certain things happen from our, our state, our governor, that would have made it a little bit more conducive for us to have a revised type camp meeting for all three of our age brackets. But uh, we would just we realized that uh, just it wasn't possible, and so uh, it's just been that kind of year. I want to spend the next several Wednesdays, and uh, I think uh, that knowing what we believe is essential for us to be good witnesses, be a good evangelist, to love people, uh, love people to Christ. I think that should be something that burns in us. Uh, The Apostle Paul, uh, we know that uh, the Lord used him. He was a very educated man, very skilled uh, in understanding the law and very skilled in making application of the law. But we know his transforming day that the Lord spoke to him through a bright light changed him and it was an instant transformation uh, he, he gave him three days of darkness and uh, by God's grace uh, prayer was made and illumination came into his spirit that caused him to see the revelation of the mighty God in Christ and from that very day forward after uh, he was prayed for and received his sight by after the prayer of Ananias that he just he rose up and right away started to declare that Jesus Christ was the mighty God and he became a a advocate a a forerunner if I could say it of apostolic truth and uh, he he wrote his epistles a missionary an evangelist uh, a, a one that lived life completely surrendered to the purpose of the kingdom. And we, we read much of our New Testament was written by him. And each epistle uh, written to a church or written to uh, ones that were birthed under him into the family or the kingdom of God. We're going to look at the book of Colossians for the next several weeks. And uh, I... Uh, several years ago, I also taught this series, but I, I just felt in the spirit that it was an essential thing for us to look at again because of the le- the, the letter of Colossians was written in re- refusion of false doctrine. It was written, and through the book of Colossians is the one epistle that 
thoroughly, thoroughly, over and over again, identifies who Jesus is. And this is what we want to look at this evening. Now, first of all, we, we recognize that the theme that we find in the book of Colossians, and if you have an apostolic study Bible, uh, it would be good for you to read the outline and the notes on the book of Colossians, and I'm going to use some of those tonight and also from the outline that, I've, that I have. But, but Colossians presents to those that first heard the letter that was written, uh, Colossians presents Jesus as the source of all things, the supporter of all things, and we find that he is the redeemer and the reconciler of fallen creation, which is you and I. And this is what Paul addresses in his book to the church at Colossae. The church at Colossae was a powerful church. Uh, it was a Gentile church. Uh, Paul had never visited this city. Uh, but uh, there was uh, uh, an individual uh, that went to this city because of what happened in Acts chapter 19. We know in Acts chapter 19 that Paul was at the city of Ephesus, this, this city in Asia. And uh, that's where we find that he finds the disciples of John. And among those disciples, because he spent over two years at Ephesus, many others uh, came to the truth of the gospel. When you read Acts chapter 19, and just very quickly, <coughs> let me mention it. We know the story. If, you've, if you're an apostolic, you should know what happens in Acts 19. But here we find Paul at Ephesus, and he addresses uh, the marker to the unknown God, and he declares this God. And we find he asks the question to those that he had found, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they responded and said, we haven't even heard of the Holy Ghost. What is the Holy Ghost? And then he asked them, then, what have you been baptized unto? And they said, John's baptism. And then he explained the, the purpose of John's baptism to them. And they were excited with what they heard. Here was a stranger to them, and uh, they were worshipers and followers, but when they heard this man Paul start to expound these things, something was stirred within them that they had not heard before. And then we find in verse 6, it says, And Paul, he laid his hands upon them, and the Holy Ghost came up, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And so a great revival broke out in the city of Ephesus. And in this process, uh, we find it started with 12 men, but there were others. And if you read verse 10 of Acts 19, it says, And this continued by the space of two years, a two-year revival. And in that process, many were, were found the Lord. And it says, And so all that dwelt in, heard, dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And one of those that heard the word was named Ephesus. If I say that name right, it's one of those Hebrew names that are hard to pronounce. And Ephesus was from the city of Colossae, and he went back to his hometown, and he started to witness, and he started to establish a church. And uh, we find that this church became powerful. The, the city of Colossae itself was a, a, a very good city. It, it had a uh, many different ethnic groups, and in this city, was a, it was on a port city, uh, a river that came from the sea, and uh, it was 100 miles from Ephesus. And so this church that was there 
quickly grew, but being there were so many different groups of people there, false doctrine quickly arose in the city of Colossae. And uh, one of the uh, doctrines that arose, there was a lot of uh, doctrines that was uh, being taught after Christianity had been birthed in the city of Colossae. There was Gnosticism that elevated the knowledge of man over uh, the knowledge of God. And we find there was a lot of Eastern mysticism and Oriental philosophy that was contrary to faith in Jesus Christ. And there was a synthesism, which is a, a type of devotion to sacrifice uh, uh, for other reasons that, that they, they would uh, sacrifice marriage and they would sacrifice certain foods and pleasures to the extreme. And so all these doctrines that were in this city of Colossae and uh, Ephesus went back to Paul that was in prison at the time in Rome and shared with Paul what was going on in the city of Colossae. And because of that, we find and read the result of the letter written to address the false doctrine and written to encourage the church and We find, and we're going to read some scripture in just a moment, but what we find is he gives a declaration of Jesus Christ. And he he refutes all the different sects that were promoting uh, false doctrine. We find that in the second chapter, he, he mentions the Gnostics. He says, who spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Uh, after the traditions of men and the rudiments of the world. He, he addresses these things and uh, that they need to have faith, not just knowledge. He also addresses them in chapter 1 and verse 19 that, that Jesus Christ was more than just a, a, a man that came from God, but that he was God manifested in the flesh. Let's read a few verses here, and then I would like to look at some specific verses that Uh, we know are true and that was written against these false doctrines. He, starting in verse 2, verse 1 tells us that Paul, that was an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, he says, To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Remember that Paul had never met these people. Paul had uh, never been at Colossae when he said these words. And I want to address right away in verses 2 and 3, the word and there does not mean that it's a second person in the Trinity. When he says and, he really means even. He's talking about that covenant relationship of Jesus Christ and, you know, how, how God uh, gave us his son and that relationship between God and the son and how there was a covenant made and Jesus Christ made that covenant possible. And so this is really what he's saying. He's not addressing two persons in the Godhead and he never even mentions in all his salutations of all his epistles, he never mentions the Holy Spirit. It was just a given for the Apostle Paul that that Holy Spirit was understood to be Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And so he gives that salutation and then he thanks God for this church. 
In verse 4, he says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints. So Ephesus had shared with Paul these great saints of God that had love for one another and had great faith in the works of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 5 he says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. See, he knew Ephesus well enough that when he went back to Colossae, he knew what this, this gentleman was going to preach. He was going to preach the Lord's death, burial, and resurrection. This is exactly what Ephesus did. And it says in verse 6, as he's making his opening remarks, which is come unto you as it is all the world and bringeth forth fruit. In other words, he said, this gospel message should cause you to be fruitful. As it doth also in you since the day ye heard it and knew the grace of God in truth. And then he, he recognizes as ye also learned of Ephorus, our dear fellow servant, servant who is for you a faithful minister in Christ who also declared unto us your love in the spirit. And so here we find Paul addressing the church to protect them from false doctrine. And so we find that his words do something for them. And as we are going to look at the next several verses and some of the things that the doctrines were being taught, let me just read verses 9 through 14 and Then we'll start breaking some things down here this evening. So here's part of his prayer. He says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers. Or in other words, we thank the Father that prepared us to be a partaker of the inheritance and the saints in light, who have delivered us from the power of darkness, hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood even then, the forgiveness of sin. And in chapter 3, we find he talks about the new man. He talks about putting on the new man and having new knowledge. Now, Jesus Christ is the thing that made it possible for us to become new creatures. But the false teachers that had integrated themselves and started talking to the believers, trying to persuade them otherwise and other things concerning Jesus Christ, they... As they would talk, the Gnostics, as they would talk, they would not deny the importance of Jesus Christ. They would just dethrone him. They would not let him be described as the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. They gave him much prominence, the Gnostics and the Ascenticisms. They would give him prominence in their teaching, but they never gave him the the preeminence. See, And that is critical for you and I today. In this book of Colossians, we find that Paul gives the preeminence to Jesus Christ. And let me just interject right here. You and I today 
as we live in a very mixed-up world filled with philosophy, vain traditions, rudiments, that we need to know who Jesus really is. And there cannot be anything else in our lives other than Jesus Christ. Because when we allow a little bit less of the Spirit in our lives, the devil wants to put something in that place that is not controlled by Jesus Christ. So this is the error that is still happening in the Christian world today. See, he lifts up Jesus Christ. We find in the book of Colossians, maybe you would like to write this down somewhere if you're taking notes, that over 30 times through the four chapters of Colossians, he uses a three-letter word. Anyone know what that word is? It's the word all. A-L-L. He uses the word all over 30 times because we find in verse 17, he is before all things. He's talking about Jesus Christ. And in verse 90, he says, all fullness dwells in him. So he goes through. He, he over and over again, as he gives this letter, he wants them to get this message that Jesus Christ is the preeminent God. He's not just another God. Let me tell you what. If you know Jesus, you know, you know the only one true God. You need to settle that. There's a lot of doctrines that still talk about Jesus Christ. But where do they put Jesus Christ? They put him in a second position. He is not the second person in a triune Godhead. Jesus Christ is God manifested in the flesh. And all the fullness of that holy God dwelt in Jesus Christ. And this is what Paul is addressing because they dethrone him, they put him in another level that he, he, he's not on. And so Jesus Christ needs to be preeminent. preeminent. In chapter 2, let me read a few verses. And these four lessons, we're going to cover the, all the chapters probably a little bit in each lesson. Here, Paul, as he's continuing his address going into the second chapter... He says, for I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea. See, there was two other cities that was very close to uh, Colossae. There was a city of Laodicea and the other city slips my mind right now. But, but they were all grouped together uh, even though they were a distance from Ephesus. But in verse 2 of Colossae it says, that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. And so he, he's trying to get them to understand who Jesus is, that he is the Father and that he is the anointed one. Because in verse 3, put up Colossians 2, 3, he, he wants them to understand in whom are hidden, are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Why did he say all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? Because that's what the Gnostics did. They sought knowledge. These Greeks, and the, they, they, they wanted to seem to be superior in their knowledge. But here he's letting them know that if you're going to know anything, you're only going to know it through Jesus Christ. The treasures of wisdom, the, the hidden things that come from the mystery of the Godhead can be found. And that's why... That's why we as apostolics say, we need to know Jesus. That's why we promote Jesus. And then look at verse 4. 
Paul says, and this I say, he says, this is why I said, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. And these enticing words, now, I, I believe that you can get some good from a lot of these popular speakers that we have today. <laughs> these ones that are becoming televangelists and ones that write books. And, uh, but we need to make sure that we stay focused on our apostolic mindset. That's very important. Because we can very easily become beguiled slipped because it's been happening since the beginning of time what did the serpent do to eve in the garden beguiled her she listened to the serpent and beguiling or deception started to happen and this is why paul is using this verbiage here he says for though i be absent in the flesh yet i am with you in the spirit there's something about being connected through the spirit and how could Paul, let me ask you a question right now. If You should read the whole book between now and next Wednesday. But how could Paul address false doctrine so thoroughly, never being there at that church? Because of the spirit. He knew the spirit of false doctrine. He knew the spirit of the Antichrist. He knew the teachings of these that would go astray, Eastern cultisms and stuff like that. It says, though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. He, he encourages the church to keep going in the right direction. And then verses 9 and 2 of Colossians 2, he says, for in him, we love that verse, don't we? For in him dwelleth what? All the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In one body, all of the Godhead dwells. That's good to know. Good to know. And then he says to this church, you are complete in him. How many's ever, maybe you've had a conversation with a, a Trinitarian friend. and I've had this question asked to me. He said, well, when I pray, I don't really know who to pray to. Have you ever had that, heard that? Well, do I pray to the Father or do I pray to the Spirit or do I pray to the Son? And this verse right here is a great verse to, to give them an answer and help them. If you'll just pray to Jesus, you're praying to all that God is. He says, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, ye, and then ye are complete in him. If you would just have Jesus as the Lord of your life, you become complete which is the head of all principality and power. Notice the word all again. He said, Jesus Christ, he's over all the principalities, all the powers. And so when you call upon the name of Jesus, you're calling on the one name that has all the power. <laughs> if we was to go, let's go back to chapter 1 here. And let's read verses 16 through 19. We're just still expounding on that 30 times the word all is found in Colossians. Starting at verse 16, he says, For by him, who's he, who's he talking about? I'm getting a little warm here. I'm sorry. Y'all sitting out there comfortable. Standing up here sweating. That's all right. It says, For by him, he's talking, he said, By Jesus Christ, 
all things were created. Now that would really send, send you for a loop. Because was Jesus Christ back in creation? There you go. In the mind of God. We know God's a spirit. And that spirit was on the face of the deep. But in the mind of God, he was already there. And so, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible, invisible, whether it be thrones, dominions, principalities, powers. And then look what he says here. <laughs> all things <laughs> were created by him and for him. <laughs> in other words, you were created. He's telling these believers, you were created by and for Jesus Christ. I think that's a good thing for us to still say today. You want meaning and purpose in your life? Let Jesus be the Lord of your life. You were, well, doesn't the Bible say that we were all created in His image? And so we are created by Him. And the mystery of conception was created by Him, designed by Him. And so we are created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And by him all things consist. Doesn't the Bible describe God as the Alpha and Omega? He is the beginning and the ending. This is what Paul is preaching here. He's letting them know that Christ is all in all. He's the head of the body, the church. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, here we go, in all things, your life, in creation, in, in spiritual things, principalities and powers. <laughs> yes, in all things that he might have the preeminence. Notice what Paul said. He says that he might have. In other words, we know creation has no choice. The heavens have no choice. But you and I have a choice. If we will allow him to have the preeminence of our life. And so he's, he's edifying these believers. He says, you know what? If you would just let him have the preeminence, then he says, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Because we know that the purpose of the Son, the role of sonship, was to bring us back into that relationship with Jesus Christ. Now... That's why, church, we should appreciate and always worship and thank God for the salvation that he provided for us. Now, I'm thankful for Calvary, but my Lord's not on the Calvary. Calvary was the tool used to crucify the body. But there was also a tomb that is empty today. And that's where we get the power and the glory, the power of the resurrection. Once you have the Holy Ghost, oh, I'm going to preach. I know it's Bible study. But when you have the power of the Holy Ghost, you have the power of resurrection in you. It says that he's the first from the dead. Yeah, a lot of other things were created before the body was created. but And a lot of people died, and other people died uh, before Jesus. But he was the first one that rose from the dead by his own power. Jesus Christ rose many from the dead in his ministry on earth. But he rose by his own power. Those that Jesus rose from the dead were by the power and the authority that he had through his name. But he rose himself. <laughs> 
I knew I was going to have a hard time just slowing down and teaching this. But this is good for us to grasp it. It should draw us closer to Jesus. Just like this epistle encouraged those believers. You know, this is just Roger Filer thinking right now. But I think after these believers at Colossae heard this letter, what do you think happened? When Ephorus brought this letter back to them, what do you think? They said, yes. Maybe some of them were questioning their, their theology and what they knew. But when they heard this letter read to them, and notice Paul said, you need to read this letter at Ephesus 2 and Laodicea. you got to read, not at Laodicea, but you need to read this letter because this is important for my people to know. Going to chapter 3, verse 17, Paul says, And whatsoever you do in word or deed... In other words, he needs to consume you. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So he keeps reminding them of this relationship that God has with his Father, that he is the Son of God. (laughs) I'm so glad that we can have a relationship with the Son of God, Jesus Christ. You know, this this wasn't strange language because Paul have an understanding of the Old Testament scriptures. How many times through the Old Testament we read the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? He's talking about relationship. He's talking about descendants. And so for him to say the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he's talking about the seed of God. <laughs> he's talking about the God that, uh, that would change people's lives. And there was that Abraham covenant. We know what that covenant was, right? (laughs) How many know what the Abraham covenant was? It was circumcision. And and circumcision identified them as children of Abraham. How many know what the New Testament covenant is? It's baptism. Baptism saves us. It's our spiritual circumcision. And so we have this relationship with God's son, Jesus Christ. The atoning work that happened at Calvary only happened through Jesus Christ. Going back to the text that we read, verse 6, which is come unto you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day you heard it and knew the grace of God. The gospel, Paul is trying to let them understand here from verse 6 that the gospel is for the whole world. When you read verse 5, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven where you heard before in the word, of tr- the word of the truth of the gospel. He wants them to know that this gospel will make you fruitful. And fruitfulness comes from sharing with others. This is what he's saying to them. The gospel for is the whole world. The false teachers that are trying to change the minds of these good people at Colossae. <laughs> they were not fruitful teachers. They were contrary to the truth of the word of God. And a one that has the fruit in their life or the spirit in their life should cause us to be fruitful. Because our belief system will always determine how we behave. Amen? What we believe about Jesus Christ will determine how we behave in our natural world. If we believe that God is holy... That should stir us to be holy. If we believe that God is righteous, 
That should stir us to be righteous. If we believe that God is separate from sin, we should be separate from sin. Our belief system determines our behavior in this natural world. One little story about what we believe. Uh, maybe you've heard of him, missionary John Patton. And he went to a, a, a part of the country, uh, the Outer Hebrides Islands, at a very remote area, a very small group of people. And he was trying to translate the Bible and one particular word in the Bible, believe. And he couldn't find a word in their language that meant belief. And so he finally come up, he discovered a word in their language that meant that meant lean your whole weight upon. <laughs> and so as he used the word believe, he would use the word lean your whole weight on or put all of you upon Jesus Christ. <laughs> I totally lean on Christ. My life is totally given to him without reservation. Just like the writer of this epistle, he gave his life wholly to God. You and I need to give our life fully surrendered. There's nothing that we should hold back. Uh, of our relationship be through Jesus Christ. Our work should be about Jesus Christ. Our, our pleasures and entertainment should promote Jesus Christ. I think that's important. When you go to verse 9, as he, we read these verses, but he says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. The word that ye might be filled. When Paul said that ye might be filled, what was he really saying here to the, these believers? When he said that ye might be filled. In biblical language, the word filled means to be controlled by. Now ask yourself the question, are you controlled by the Spirit? He wants them to be filled with knowledge and His will, spiritual understanding. We need to be filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit will control us. We, hey... We're going to have things that we... Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have found yourself that you don't know what to do? Sure, we find ourselves in those too often. But what do we do? We pray. We seek godly counsel and spiritual leaders. And hopefully, they're filled with the Spirit that will make a difference. Now, you thought I was just having this water up here to... Uh, Drink, and I'm going to drink some of this water, but let's pretend for a moment that this is your life. And, you know, right now, we say, we look at this and say, well, it's not filled with anything. But that's not true. It's filled with air, right? Yeah. You know? Now no one wants to drink from this cup. Pastor's breath had just filled this cup. We can't see it. But the Holy Spirit is referred to water, right? Now let's... I, I can do something here. Now, as God fills us with this, He pours out. Now, this is the bottle that I had earlier today. Now, it's not quite half full. Now, this is the illustration. And too many times, that's we as Christians. 
like Paul says here, that ye might, put up verse 10, that ye might work, walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. And then he says, being fruitful in every good work and increasing. In other words, as we share and teach Bible studies, there's an increasing. Uh, right now, I look at who's here. There, each one of you have enough knowledge of God, of His Spirit, of truth, to teach a Bible study. Something needs to happen in all of us that 
it's become our heartbeat, our desire. And I know we ask and we get rejected and, and we compel and they don't come, but, but we don't stop. And I think the church in the hour that we're living in, we need to be so filled through prayer. We need to have more corporate prayer meetings. We're at the second half of the year, and I'm looking at the schedule, and we'll be having leadership meeting, planning the rest of the year. And there's going to be things that I think that are parallel to what I'm trying to teach us for the next several weeks that will make a difference. I want to walk worthy. See, there's no separation between learning the Word of God and living the Word of God. If we live filled with the Spirit, that's going to cause a revival to happen in your home. If you live filled with the Spirit, you will have an effect on your co-workers. Verse 11, put up verse 11 there. Paul goes on to say, strengthen with all might according to His glorious power. It's not your power, my friend. He said this to the church. He said, all might, his power, his power unto all <coughs> patience and long suffering. You know, don't you get tired of long suffering? <laughs> but it's a fruit of the spirit. And, we, and when we stop being patient and we stop being long suffering with those that we're trying to be fruitful with, or trying to, you know, guess what? We give up. What's the use? I've told him a dozen times. How long have you been friends with Gail? Since your kids were a little small. and <laughs> That's a long time. You know, and there's no doubt that you've shared with her. No doubt you've had conversations about this very thing. But, but that doesn't mean you quit. But it just... The church, the day that we're in, I'm trying to cast a little vision here also that that when we sacrifice, something's going to break out. You know, I said it the other other time in prayer, you know, getting a little militant that I get sick and tired of seeing some of our good young people that have been filled with the Holy Ghost and have been baptized and at one time stood on the platform and sang a song and worshiped. No longer, that, that, I gotta get mad. I gotta get righteous indignation boiling in my spirit. I'm not angry at them. I don't hate them. I just, I hate what the devil does. And this is what Paul is saying. He, he's, he's fighting false doctrine that is Drew trying to, Wound some of them and make them weak. And then the word is joyfulness. Verse 12, he says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He made it possible. The word meet there means that that the condition was met, that God could change your life, that you have a promise now of heaven. That there was no merit within yourself, but, but it says... That hath made us meet to be partakers of this promise of an inheritance. I don't know if my kids have ever thought about the inheritance they're going to get from Renee and I, but right now there's not too much to give. Come on, yeah, you ever think about inheritance? I have. My my father-in-law has a little money. Hmm. And if the Lord wills, and things go in a natural course, some of that may be mine someday. 
It might make my life a little easier, Brother Dave. That's nothing against my father-in-law. He's worked hard for everything he has. And he's been generous while he's been alive to Renee and I. But, but you know, there's something about receiving something that your fathers labored for. Houses. And those are temporal things. But what about spiritual things? Hasn't our heavenly father, does he have an inheritance for you and I? Houses that he, he, you have not had to labor for? <laughs> Joys and pleasures that you cannot comprehend. There is an inheritance. And how many people get so distracted that, oh, that's not a big deal. It's not worth that much. <laughs> you, you can't put a price tag on the inheritance that you will receive if you've been made meat. <laughs> if you're prepared for the meat that comes to an inheritance uh, because you're a saint in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, I could, that's just preachable right there. See, that new birth experience makes one meet. You meet the requirements. You confess your faults and your sins. You repent at an altar because godly sorrow got a hold of your spirit. See, that's what we want to see happen. It doesn't happen to have to happen in the house. It can happen on the job. It can happen in your car as you sit there drinking your coffee with your friend. That godly sorrow can come into that car. Godly sorrow can come into that, that patio that you're sitting on. And all of a sudden, you have a moment of opportunity. Mm. When a person starts to recognize their broken condition, they will acknowledge that Jesus is what they really need. Why did Paul say in Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. Verse 13. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, cry, Abba, Father. And then Paul says, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we're children, then what are we? We are an heir. We are an heir to an inheritance. Woo! Did you know that your heavenly Father owns the cattle on a thousand hills? The Bible says that all the gold and all the silver and all the hills are His. That's a worthy inheritance. And so many people trade that inheritance for temporal things that are going to perish. And then Paul said in Romans 8, And join us, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Verse 13, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Translated. That's, you know, when we hear translated, that means like going from one language to another, going from one kingdom to another. That's what happens when you read it in chapter 3 of Colossians. There is a translation that happens. A transformation happens when we go from darkness to light. Let us never forget, and this is what Paul is reminding them. It describes moving from one country to another, from one citizenship to a new citizenship. Aren't you glad that you have? You are a new citizen of a heavenly king? Come on. Someone say amen to that. Someone thank the Lord that, that this world is not my home. Hallelujah. 
Verse 14. In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. The word redemption refers to that payment, that ransom paid, the release of a prisoner. Jesus didn't pay Satan one dime, but His death fulfilled the penalty of the law that the law demanded that a price had to be paid for sin. In the Old Testament, blood had to be shed, but it was never totally forgiven. It was pushed ahead. But in the New Testament, one lamb was sacrificed for the eternal uh, forgiveness of sins. (laughs) Not to be repeated again and again, but one sacrifice, one lamb paid the price (laughs) that fulfilled the penalty of sin. Hallelujah. Forgiveness. We have a canceled debt. He paid a debt I could not. Uh, how's the song go? I owed a debt I couldn't pay. Yeah. Man. And here we find Paul is saying that very song to them. This is what Jesus did for you, church. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 1, verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins. Notice he said by himself purged our sins. Sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. In other words, he has a position of authority. He is there. He's completed the work. John 14, 9. Jesus said unto him, have I been so long time with you and yet he has not known me, Philip? He, he was identifying himself. He that has seen me has seen the Father and how say that show us the Father. He's reminding them of who he is. And then Jesus said himself, I and my Father are one. Verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? Firstborn does not refer to time. You know, I have a firstborn son, Ross. You know, and then I have three other children. And you can only have one firstborn. But when Paul says he's not referring to time, but status, position, rank, that's what he's referring to. Jesus was not the first being created. He was the creator of everything. Firstborn from the dead, verse 18. (laughs) He is the head of the body of the church, was the beginning of firstborn of the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. Jesus was not the first person. I've already made reference to this verse, but he wasn't the first person to be raised from the dead. But without that resurrection, there could be no resurrection for anyone else. Go back to verse 17. Put up verse 17 there for me, Sister Olivia. It says, Paul is saying here, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. You know, that, think about that. The, has anyone seen gravity today? Oh, there's gravity. Well, if you look around, you see one of those invisible things that he created for your benefit and for my benefit. It was a little windy this afternoon, but... I felt it. I, I sat out at my picnic table and tried to eat my lunch, and I had to put stuff on other stuff to keep it from blowing away. But I knew the wind was there, and it was trying to blow my lunch off the table, but I didn't see it. I knew it was there. <laughs> By him, all things consist. Mm. 
That's interesting, isn't it? God's saying here, Paul is trying to let them, remind them that it's God that holds all things together. <laughs> How many has ever heard of the protein molecule called laminin? You ever hear of it? I, I've heard, I heard a message preached on it, a very, very powerful message, but, but I'll tell you what laminin is. It's a protein, it's in our cells, and this protein, this, this laminin, it's, it, it, it's like glue. It, it, it's the adhesion that molecules, that hold the molecules and the cells together within the body. And uh, uh, I, I've actually seen pictures of it. And what's interesting, it, it's, it's essential in our bodies. We've got to have this protein in our bodies. It's, it's like uh, the rebar when you lay concrete. It strengthens the concrete. It, it's an essential protein that we have to have in our body. But what makes this protein so interesting, and I heard this in the message, and, and I saw the, the illustration, but when you see a picture, they can take pictures of this protein. What is interesting about this protein is the shape of this protein. It's in the shape of a cross. This laminin protein is in the shape of the cross. You know, and it's the cross, the price paid at Calvary. Jesus Christ is the one that hung on the cross, and he's the one that will hold your life together. When you look at those that don't live for Jesus, that are embracing a sinful lifestyle, how come their lives are so messed up and everything's going wrong? It's because they don't have the protein, the molecule, the strength, and the power, and the spirit of Jesus Christ. Mm. This is a Sunday message. I'm messed up here. This is a message for sinners to hear. We got three more Wednesdays coming in. Wow. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. Verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the that in all things he might have the preeminence. Guess what? The world has tried to keep Jesus out of their lives. They didn't acknowledge him as the son of God. When you read the gospels, you find those that were contrary and questioned and doubted and criticized. But let me tell you what, there's certain things about Jesus's life that that cannot be denied. (laughs) You know, (laughs) the life of Jesus, it's bracketed or it's, it's confirmed or it's solidified by two things that were literally impossible. Number one, we know that he came in through a virgin's womb. If you believe that, that solidifies who Jesus is. And that second bracket was an empty tomb. Jesus entered our world through a door marked no entrance and left through a door marked no exit. That's my God. Hallelujah. You can't stop him. You can't keep him out. And if the world and if your friends and my friends would just crack open that door to their heart, guess what? Jesus will come in. And Jesus will make a difference. And all of a sudden, they'll recognize that there is a creator. There is the first and the last that can do great things. Mm. Oh, I want to walk worthy, don't you? I want to stay close to him. I I, want to know him more. How important it is. Mm. God is so good. So good to us. So good to us. Accidentally hit the hit the button there. <laughs> Verse nineteen. Just a few more verses here tonight. It's already after eight o'clock. I didn't recognize that. Sorry about that, church. 
but you ain't going to do nothing anyways. You're just going to go home and go to bed. Or go by Dairy Queen and get a Sunday. Mm, sounds good. Verse 19, for it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness of the dwell. In other words, all divine power is in Jesus Christ. All the attributes of God is in Jesus Christ. Verse 20 says, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. The purpose of God wanted to restore all things to himself. Sin separated man from God in the garden. But here, a loving God wants reconciliation. He wants that ministry of reconciliation to be used. How come Jesus Christ is called the mediator? (laughs) The one that has the power to reconcile you and I and every sinner back to a holy God. Verse 21. (laughs) And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. He's saying, church, remember that one time you were an enemy of God. Turn to someone, give them a big smile, and say, remember when you were an enemy? We were all enemies. We were all contrary. None of us deserve this grace and mercy. But all because of his love. Guess what? He reconciled us. We were estranged because of our Adamic nature, but aren't you glad that we can be free from our Adamic nature, our actions and our thoughts and the things that are wrong? Just a few more verses, and I'm going to wrap this up quickly. It says in verse 22, in the body of his flesh through death to present. Notice, through the death of Jesus Christ, we can be presented as holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. That, that's, that's good news right there. It's important, verse 21, it's important how we look in God's sight. See, how many know that God is omniscient? God is omnipresent. He sees us everywhere we go. You, you can't make a room dark enough where he can't see. He sees you. He knows what you do. He's aware. And so we need his spirit that we can be pleasing. You know, within ourselves, we won't do a good enough job. But when we have him, we become holy. With him, we can't be blamed no more because the price has been paid. And there's no re- un- reproving us because he's made us provable that we are sons and daughters. And then the last verse He says in verse 23, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and that's where a lot of people miss it. They have faith, but their faith never gets grounded. It never gets settled. That's the, that's the struggle of young people today. They, they have this struggle with faith. And, and because of, uh, of technologies and because of not really knowing their God, that's why it's important that there's good classes and there's good teaching that will ground and settle for the future generations. Being not moved away from the hope of the gospel. And that's what happens. That young people lose hope and the power and the future of what the Bible says that they can experience. Which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. Whereby I, Paul, made gospel. So being born again is our hope of glory. Does anyone here want to go to hell? No, you don't. There's this hope that when this life is over, we just heard the, we just heard the news tonight of Sister Mooney. 
I, re- I remember being, you know, I've said this, and forgive me for bringing it up, but I remember as a young boy uh, being in their home up in Muskegon, Michigan, and Brother Mooney and my dad drinking tab and playing Monopoly. How many wonder what tab was? That was the popular drink. And I remember uh, Jonathan and I, we would go over to the dunes, and Brother Mooney would take us to the dunes, and we would ride in those red open-air Jeeps on the dunes. And Sister Mooney had that funny laugh and just screaming and having a great time. And I hear tonight that she's passed on. I'm sorrowful, but I know that she lived the life. I know she served faithfully. I know that they had struggles. And, you know, they, they were poor people back in Michigan. <laughs> there was not much to be had. But we had fellowship. We had one another. And that's what you and I, we need one another. We need, Brother Darren, we need that fellowship that you and I talked about. To keep us strong, to keep our faith Knit together in Christ Jesus. Let's stand tonight. The last two verses of this chapter, he Paul talks about his sacrifice of being made a ministry and how he shares that this mystery was hidden from generations, but now it's revealed. And the last two verses, Paul says, whom we preach. Who do he preach? He preached Jesus Christ, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect. See, Jesus Christ is the only thing that gives true perfection. Having a good physique does not mean you're perfect. It helps, <laughs> but perfect in our spirits, perfect in our motives, perfect in the more important things in life. That's what Jesus can do. And then Paul said in the last verse as he gives his opening comments in this first chapter, whereunto I also I labor, strive. And, you know, he's saying, he, this is what he's saying to these believers at Colossae. He goes, This is worth working for. This is worth striving for. Don't let false doctrine, don't let uh, the rudiments and the traditions uh, of Judaism. See, Judaism had a lot of mysticism and a lot of traditions. If you look and study some of their traditions and mysticism, it's pretty far out there. And this is what was being taught. And this is what was attacking the faith of those believers. But here, as he closes this first chapter, he he says... I'm laboring, I'm striving according to his working, which is, which worketh in me mightily. In other words, he said, that spirit that in me, it works. It helps me say the right things and help others to know Jesus. Is there anyone here tonight that want to help someone else know Jesus? Let that become a purpose every day. Lord, Help me. I, I sit in the prayer room right now. I got, I got one individual that I'm focusing on. I'm going to be here tomorrow morning at about 7 o'clock with him. Amen. I got a purpose in it. <laughs> he can say, I got an interior purpose. I got a motive. <laughs> I, want, I want to see some things happen. How about you? Yeah. I want to see revival. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, I want to see you have friends and family, neighbors. Hey, man, Sister Father and I took a gift over to our neighbors, our new neighbor. We got new neighbors on the south side, you know, took, a, took something over to them and had a conversation. And we're already planning on getting together. I got something I want to say. You got something you want to say? Sure you do. It's not about the twins either. <laughs> it's not about COVID-19 either. It's about my Jesus. How about you? Would you bow your heads and let's pray? We're going we're gonna to sing a song and worship as we close tonight. Amen. We're going we're gonna to enjoy the rest of these lessons in Colossians. There's so many wonderful things to expound upon. And we need this kind of teaching, I believe, in the day that we're in, that we will have that love for the lost. Lord, I thank you for the time that we've had here tonight. And, Lord, I, I just thank you for the, the strengthening that your spirit gives. I thank you for the, the spirit that gives us guidance and leading us. Lord, that we will be diligent and prepared to give an answer uh, because of the faith that we have in us. Lord, I thank you for your church. Lord, I thank you for this church, Lord, that embraced the gospel, that, that recognized that there's a way of living that is fruitful.